0: Hello, everybody. I've pulled it off yet again. I have an amazing guest for us today. I will just wait. It's going to be Dr. Rob DiMartino, Kevin. Hopefully he's there. We've been texting. So hopefully he's on. Dr. Jennifer Sosnowski had so many rave reviews when we had him on however long ago it was. So I thought it'd be great to have him on and just do the same ideas of how we... Proceeded with Jen, like a slowed down version, get him to explain a couple of things. If you've noticed, Dr. Rob D. Martino and Dr. Jennifer Sosnowski have something in common other than they're brilliant is they talk extremely fast. So some of the feedback has been like, Wow. That was so much information. I had to listen to it three times. I'm like, perfect. That's why it's recorded and we can watch it on YouTube and we can listen to it again and again, however you listen to your podcast. But what I mean by slowing things down is to break it down for all the patients that are listening. It's great that we have so many practitioners that join us live, but a lot of the base of the podcast and the YouTube channel has been lay people and patients. So that's what I mean by having him slow down and yeah, hopefully he's here right away and we can get going. So I just want to make sure, Oh, Rob DiMartino is here. We just need Kevin to let him in as a panelist and we can get going. So Kevin is like our little producer and maybe I can even promote him. As a panelist, can I do that, Kevin? I don't know. Kevin's not beside me, so I can't ask him questions. Let's see. Hopefully, Kevin will do it. Yes, there he is. Just as I was about to. There you are. We made it. We made it. <laughs> Thank you so much for moving around your schedule. I. Totally appreciate how busy you are. So if you can like squish an hour for us, it's appreciated. Yeah,
1: no, all good. I was excited to get your text. I was like, yeah, I'm sure I can make this work. Let me just call some people. Let me
0: just move a hundred people and no problem. Cause you were just on vacation too.
1: I was gone for a week. And so we're just playing catch up this week, but it's been great.
0: Good for you. Yeah. Like I was explaining to the masses when we had Jen on, it was great. She talked a lot about her favorite conditions that she treated, which was mold and lime. But just like you, when we had you on, she talked really fast. She gave out like a hundred pounds of information on a 10 pound scale and everybody was writing in. That was fantastic. But I have a lot of patients that I see in the clinic that listen to the podcast and they were like, I just didn't understand half of it. I'm like, what's a good point? Cause we do have a lot of people that are Just trying to get information about what we do with frequency specific microcurrent and what we do with physical therapy and all the things. So, I have a couple places that I'd like to steer you as far as what you do and the patients that you treat. But I think it would be a really good time and platform to get some information out about functional medicine and how you view it, because functional medicine is one of those very unique. I don't want to say certifications, but avenues that practitioners go to for furthering their education. And it seems like Dr. Jen gravitated towards mold and lime, and as a medical doctor, like she saw where she was failing as a practitioner. And you started as a chiropractor, and you obviously saw a ton of space that you could move into to help your patients. So I'm gonna steer it back to you. I'd like you to talk about your path as a chiropractor before you went back and did all the stuff with functional medicine and why you would do that because. It's a lot of time and a lot of money after you've spent a lot of time and a lot of money <laughs> becoming yeah. a doctor. So I might as
1: well have not even gone to school <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I mean, everything that I basically do in clinic now is stuff that I learned after. Right. My, my clinical life now, comparatively to when I came out of school, it might as well be the tale of two worlds and patients are the absolute greatest teachers if you listen to them, and obviously you guys know taking a great history and all of that stuff is such a major portion of it. And that's really where it becomes. For me, I had help as a kid from a chiropractor. I had migraines. He was the one who saved me after four years of suffering really badly. They were just t- throwing medications at me and eventually it ended up becoming antidepressants at me and it just wasn't working. And finally I went to a chiro for an unrelated issue and he was the one who solved my headaches. So I said, wow, this is fascinating. And I love the idea of it. I went to my first chiropractic seminar when I was 14. Wow. So it was right after I got, my doc took me to a seminar because I was so interested and he was giving me material to read and I was reading it and coming back and asking questions. And I got into school and I was excited and I was really strict. Like I was a very strict principled chiro. Like you couldn't talk to me about anything else. And while I was at school, my mom got diagnosed with leukemia. And she became, unfortunately, patient zero. And I was so stupid and arrogant, frankly, at the time that I was like, well, oh, that's no problem. I'll just adjust this right out of you. And obviously, that's not how that works. <laughs> but that was where my, I was so sick. And, but she forced me. She really forced me because I was like, no one's going to care about this as much as I do. No one's going to care about her as much as I do. And I went to all the doctor's appointments. I listened to everything everyone had to say. And it came down to what I felt as a kid when I had my headaches is I'm going to have to figure this out. When I was a kid and I was having my headaches, the doctors were telling me things and I kept telling them, even though I was about age 10 to 14, this doesn't make sense. What you're telling me doesn't make sense. It's illogical. And The internet wasn't a thing. I'm dating myself here a little bit, but the internet wasn't a thing (laughs) at this point. So I I had one of those white composition notebooks. Remember those? And I would write and I would try to track when did I have a headache? What did I eat? What did I do? Because I was like, if I'm going to get out of this, I'm going to be the one that gets me out of this.
0: Wow. And you know, and I like to even slow that part down because I think so many times we see patients that come in and they feel totally gutted and powerless. And you as a patient, patients that are listening, you have so much power because you bring the story and the more accurate the story you can bring to any practitioner, I think the better. So the fact that you were able to already create a log as far as where your symptoms were, what a gift that was to whoever you gave that log, that right. I love
1: when patients bring in stuff like that. That's my favorite thing in the world.
0: Oh, there's Carol. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Hello.
1: It's my favorite thing in the world because like when they bring that stuff into me, I'm like, we are 10,000 steps ahead of the next time yes. because of I course you're have-
0: 10,000 steps ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just see guys later. Bye. Bye. Have a great, have a great seminar. <laughs>
1: oh, Some dogs don't like that. I'm like, this is great. Look, you've got to be a part of your own journey.
0: Yes. Yeah. Some of my favorite patients are the ones that at least have listened to or know a little bit about functional medicine and they'll bring a timeline in from birth to now. Yeah. And those patients, I feel like I'm like, you get this treatment for free because <laughs> you just
1: saved us a ton of time. Yeah. Because, because I'm going to ask whether you tell me this or not, like I'm going to ask and we're going to go through it. And it's either me asking you step-by-step step, questions that may seem odd as to why I'm asking them, but I usually explain why I ask. but yeah. That is such a helpful thing. And it was a long time ago now, but I was sitting on the other side. and I was begging for answers and I wasn't scientific then, but it was all failing the logic test right? for me. Like it couldn't pass my logic test. That's in a logical statement. That doesn't make sense. Some people are just like this. No one else is. Why am I? There has to be a logical reason for this. And I probably made all the doctors crazy as a 12-year-old who's asking a gajillion questions. I'm like, hey, look, it's my life on the line. Right. I have to live like this and I feel terrible pretty much all the time. It's ruining my life. I can't really see how I do this forever. So there's got to be some way out of it. But I'm game, I'm here for the fight. I'm good to go. (laughs) There's got to be a more simple way. And that same ideology has translated through different parts where Again, I love chiropractic. I think it's such a fantastic healing methodology. And, and I also think it's a very different world yeah. that we live in now. When I trained and with some of the chiros that I trained with, they w- it was laughable because was, they were like IBS, like we, we, we adjust once in this general area, check them three weeks later, you may or may not have to adjust them again and the IBS should be gone. Now, that was not my experience coming out of school and adjusting. And I thought I was a pretty good adjuster too. Yeah. So I'm panicking. I'm going back over all of my notes. I'm rereading my doing this right. Is my evaluation correctly? I'm going to seminars. I'm sending in my x-rays. I'm like, am I doing this right? And they're like, yeah, but that's not how it is now. They're talking about like the fifties. Right. <laughs> so I was like, oh, first off, you should give a disclaimer of that. But then secondly, I'm like, what's <laughs> different now? And then when my mom got sick, I knew that it was going to take something more some greater ideology. And I saw it in practice too, that I would adjust these patients and neurologically they would be clear, but they still had diabetes. Right. They still had thyroid dysfunction. They still had autoimmune disease. Natural medicine works so awesome that there's an expression in chiropractic like you could hit people in the back with a shovel and 90% of the time, they're going to get better. It Mm -hmm. just works that well. Yeah. I'm like, but when you get these people who have been sick, for a really long period of time. they have been through the medical grinder. It's all the different medications, all the different doctors. It's that 10 or 20%, or the 20% of that 20%, what do you do for them? And that was really who I felt called to deal with, even as doing chiropractic. But then I got forced into that because my mom just needed so much more than what I was capable of giving her. And thankfully, there's a happy end to that story. I told my mom she had that type of leukemia has an eight-year life expectancy. They told her not to expect five. In just a couple of months here, will be 24 years.
0: Wow. Amazing. Oh, that is a we just very got
1: back for vacation and she was with. Her and my dad were with us. They got to go to all the places with us, be with my kids, be with us. Amazing. Somebody who grew up with their grandparents, it, that means the world to me, that my kids get to be with them.
0: Yes. Yes. Amazing. So it's funny how the universe steers us in directions or I'll say force feeds us what we need because you get
1: kicked in the face very squarely.
0: (laughs) And I think if I think of all the amazing physicians that I know, especially those in functional medicine, they each had a personal story, either something happened to them or somebody that they loved and multiple people that they loved that was forced them into that direction of humility, right? What I am doing is not enough. And I feel called to learn more, do more so that I can help others.
1: Absolutely. My experience as well, because when we train this, when I teach it, I can tell you who starts walking up to me to ask me questions. I'm like, this person has a personal story because they're walking with a purpose. Yes. Like, a people ask me questions. A lot of people, one thing I'm always fascinated, doctors will say me, this was great. This is mind blowing. This is the coolest thing. I don't want to do it in practice, but this is wild. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, what? <laughs> like, How did you sneak that last part in there?
0: That doesn't make any sense.
1: But they have to have some sort of personal thing to really take the drive to step up. For a patient base who really needs someone to step up, it, it takes a special kind of person to step up to that. There's more and there's getting to be more and more, which is great, but it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Especially when you're trying to cut new things. Obviously, we're talking about frequency medicine, which is old but new. So that you have all of these other things that are not against you. There's the believability factor. Yeah. There's the understanding factor. So much of my time is spent reading, studying, trying to understand, and then taking all of that data and then saying, okay, that's great. I understand this. How do I explain this? How do I bring this down to somebody who doesn't really want to know the ins and outs? It's, do you want to know how the clock works or do you want to know what time it is?
0: Yeah. Rob, that could be the quote of the day.
1: <laughs> right? So it's my job to know how the clock works. It's my job to then get you like, hey, this is what time it is. And this is what we do about it. And this is how we reset the clock, essentially. Yeah, it just comes down to how much data. But it's hard job to know that. And, this, and the science is evolving.
0: Yeah.
1: We live in a time where we don't even know what we don't know, which is great. And it's exciting if you like that. But there's got to be this natural curiosity amongst doctors, right? The best doctors are the ones who are really curious. Yes. And they're willing to push. And they're willing to question. And they're willing to try different things. I got stuck in dogma early in my career and I got knocked out of it just because patients needed me to.
0: Yeah. What I think is the most amazing about functional medicine practitioners is there's many things, but what I deeply respect is the humility because for you to go back and spend all that time and all that money, basically you have that come to Jesus moment of saying, I don't know anything or I don't know enough about this. And for me, if I'm seeing uh, any kind of healthcare provider, if they say to me, I don't know why you are experiencing this, but I'm going to find out, or I'm going to find you somebody who can't. Mad props. They're my person. As opposed to the people who are dismissive. I remember the first time somebody asked me, I wonder why you're anemic. And I'm like, what? Why aren't you just giving me iron pills? There's only a
1: handful of reasons. (laughs)
0: why are you? but nobody had ever asked I wonder why you're anemic why do you think you're anemic I was like I don't know that's why I'm here so asking the questions I think are big one one thing I wanted to start off with is it seems like functional medicine is growing it's a wonderful time for being a patient because there's a lot of functional especially if you're in different pockets of the world or the U.S. especially you'll see more what I want, really, I think my purpose for today, driving the message to the lay people or the patients that are listening is that you don't have to be sick to find a functional medicine provider.
1: No, it, look, there, there's a reason why people have serious anxiety when they go to see doctors. Yes. Because it's, if you go every year to get your checkup and every year whatever you get your blood work and whatever that looks like, there's that panic because is this going to be the time that something shows up? Because what that really means is there's no plan to avoid that exactly. from happening. And that's why most anxiety can be handled by planning. Yeah. So they don't have that because no one's doing it for them. So it's always this where is is, hey, when is this other shoe going to fall? Yeah. Versus, hey, look, what's our strategy to avoid illness? Is this the right strategy? There's some things that are normal for everybody, but there's some things that may be different lifestyles, different time frames, different age, whatever it may be. What does that look like and how can we have the best chance of elongating this life as as long as humanly possible? No one stays forever, but we want to stay as long as we can and as good as we can. But that's the anxiety around it is because we don't have a plan and no one's doing it for them.
0: I think Janet had said this, like we're like the healthcare system that she was stuck in. She's always just treating people when they were already very sick, when it was not too late, but like very sick and there had to be a better way. So I'll circle back really quick. I had a ton of health anxiety throughout the years. Both my parents passed away from cancer at young ages. If there's anything that's going to give you anxiety is when you lose both of your parents to cancer and you think that was exactly me every year getting my blood work. Is this the year that something weird is going to show up? And The fact now that I see a functional medicine provider and I have a plan, and I think you were the one that talked about like the dentist analogy, or maybe somebody else was at FSM conference a few years ago, and it was perfect. If you go in for your regular cleanings and you see the dentist regularly, they catch the cavities when they're small, or even before the cavity starts. And you have this like dental plan. We don't have that in healthcare.
1: If it was on your face, you would, <laughs> but yeah. it's in turtles that you don't see it. Yes. So again, my place in this world where it's just worked out that way is I've ended up being that guy of last resort where they'll get the sickest of the sick and they come in and then we're using functional knowledge to get them out of it. But I wish my job was just seeing the everyday people and keeping them. That hasn't become my position, but there, I have people that I refer to for that. I'm like, Hey, look, it probably doesn't pay to work with me for that. You can go to this person and they'll walk you through. But yeah, it's all about strategy right? There's tactics, there's strategy. But the biggest thing, and this has been kind of my biggest journey through functional medicine, even of that, and we were chatting about it over Texas. What is functional medicine? And I, I see it growing, and I don't love it, where some of the ways it's splintering off to be real and honest, because I, I think we're starting to go down the wrong path. Because what I don't like about centralized medicine, which is there is a central, which is basically big pharma.
0: Yep,
1: I'm starting to see functional medicine all becoming centralized medicine.
0: Okay. It's, it
1: may not be big pharma, but it's a big supplement. And I think we're getting away from, and it's why I talk to doctors all the time. Like, well, I don't like functional medicine, especially if they're natural healthcare practitioners, because it's treating disease. Right, it, It's allopathy with vitamins. And that was a big rabbit hole that I went into. And I said that there, there's gotta be a different way. And then we came out with all, we talk a lot about quantum physics and things like that. But, but we were starting to get too centralized, and it was one of the things for me. It was big when I taught. I said there have to be no sponsors. There is no supplement companies that sponsor us. There's no anybody who sponsors us. It is all self funded. When we teach doctors, it is all self funded because if I find something better tomorrow, I need to be able to switch. Sure.
0: And Without I respect for that. Nobody should ever be tied into something when it no longer serves us or works or there's something better that comes along. Again, your whole purpose is to make people feel better.
1: Right. So I mean, th- th- think about the fundamental nature of this. Like, for me, like I deal with a tremendous amount of autoimmune disease. That, that's probably the majority of my practice. I deal with mold and Lyme and all that kind of stuff, neurological stuff. But most of what I deal with is autoimmune. And I sit with docs all the time. They'll tell me autoimmune disease is a nutritional thing. I get a tremendous amount of hate online, which is great. I like that. I can feed off that dark energy a little bit and it makes me (laughs) work harder. But it's probably not healthy for me, but it makes me work harder for sure. It's funny because it's a nutritional thing. Forget science, do logic. In today's day and age, we can measure every single nutritional metric inside of the human body. And we have a single supplement for every single nutritional metric that we can measure that we can refill that up. If autoimmune disease was, was... Caused by some sort of deficiency, and we can test that and treat that, we wouldn't talk about autoimmune disease. Right. It wouldn't even be a thing. I don't want to say it's overly complicated, but that's way too simplified of an ideology. And my favorite is they'll typically say, Oh, I address all these things. I, the first thing I always address is their vitamin D status, and that's always typically low. Google is nutrition and autoimmune disease. The first thing that always comes up is vitamin D, which is not a nutrient. Right. You make it from the sun. It's not even a nutrient, it's a hormone, it's a pro so, the contradiction is massive because we're saying, okay, this is a nutritional thing, but then your first recommendation has nothing to do with nutrition. You don't eat vitamin D, you make vitamin D from the sun. So, it goes back to those ideologies of what do you do with this? So, I thought, but I said, what would you define functional medicine as? So, my idea is functional medicine for me is to undo the damage that we accrue from the daily sins that we commit against nature.
0: That's quote number two of the day. Okay. Oh, good. I'm
1: two for two. All right. Good.
0: Say that again. I want everybody to hear that one more time.
1: So it's to undo the damage that we accrue from the daily sins that we commit against nature. Yes. We're here to live in accordance with our environment. Yeah. And we don't do that. We don't. Neolithic diseases is the price for that. And there's a dietary ideology around that but I'm not buying And patients shouldn't buy it too. I'll never forget this. I sat with this gal. She was lovely. You could tell very intelligent. And when I talked through everything with her, she said to me, I, I, she was asking me all these questions and I was like, tell me about your diet. And this was back when I practiced a little more old school in functional medicine wise. And I'm going through all the dietary stuff and we're doing all looking at her labs. And I could just tell she had this look on her face. So I said, hey, what are you thinking right now? I broke out of the doctor thing. I'm like, what are you, what are you thinking right now? Because obviously you're thinking about something. She said, Doc, I just don't understand this. I am the healthiest person habit-wise in my family. I eat right. I eat all organic. I work out and I exercise like a mad person. I do all the right things. My husband eats. He's trying to kill himself. He eats so badly. It's like almost purposeful that he's trying to hurt himself. Yet he has no health problems and I'm sick as a dog. It's not fair what gives. Right. And she was a huge teacher for me because I'm like, she's right. This is illogical. Yeah. She's right. This is an illogical statement. So I had to branch outside of the nutritional thing. You know what I always love when people say it's toxicity because there's only a few answers in nutritional functional medicine is what's the cause of disease. We've got to find and fix the root cause of disease. What is that? It depends. That's not how it works. Yes. If you're saying that there's got to be, it depends on the person depends on the disease. No, that's when we're getting stuck in strategies and tactics, not first order principles. Gravity is a first order principle. It applies to all people at all times in all places. Doesn't matter who it is. Doesn't matter where they are. If you step off the top of a large building, you're going to go down. Yeah. The body is much the same. It has similar reactions. There is no one specific nutritional disorder that causes butt immune disease. Like when well, people have poor diets, what does that mean? Which deficiency causes it? It could be a bunch of different things. Then that's not cause and effect. That's not how that works. It's got to be this. You have a lack of vitamin C, you get scurvy. Yeah, that's cause and effect. Yeah, or diet is not. People who smoke, I had a gal, wonderful gal, great teacher to me. She tells me, I'm not going to quit smoking. She literally put her hand up in my face, I'm not going to quit smoking. Don't even ask me, it's not going to happen. It's kind of a weird response. I have people who are like, I don't know if I can quit, but they're concerned, but she was like adamant that she wasn't gonna. So when I asked her to go deeper into that, I said, Tell me what that means. What does that mean? And she says, it's not fair. My uncle smoked till he was 93 and he didn't have any problems with it. And he died of old age, had no issues with it. And truth be told, she's not wrong. The woman who broke the world record for the oldest living person, she was 122 and four months old. She smoked till she was hundred. She stopped smoking at hundred because she went blind and she couldn't see to light her cigarettes. anymore. <laughs> So logically, how are you going to tell somebody that it's a nutritional deficiency when they eat perfect or really good and somebody else eats way worse than they do all of their friends and everybody else that they know and that right. they're fine. Other people smoke till they're 100. These people have never smoked a day in their lives and they're sick. Yeah. It's got it because they're not first order principles. They don't apply to all people in all places and all times. And that's, I think, where we're starting to get off of the beaten path a little bit because we're starting to get fall in love with stra- strategies and tactics. But we're forgetting about first order principles, which starts to pull us out of biochemistry and starts to bring us more into the biophysics relationship, which is ultimately how do we exchange energy with our environments?
0: Yeah. That makes your brain explode a little bit. I'm nodding because, again, for just my own personal history, like I just explained, both my parents passed away from cancer at early ages. My grandmother 93, smoked a pack a day, bacon and eggs every day, never exercised, never drank water, just horrific. Who am I praying to? I'm praying that I have those genes or I have whatever it was that she has. Genetic. And
1: also, let me get back to genetics. They may get lucky. So you're telling me it's genetics. So again, this, but when you do the genetics game, now you steal the power from the person because now you're a slave to your genetics, which isn't good either because patients shouldn't feel that way. Because there are some things that are genetic for sure, that that does exist. But what is it, three to 5% statistically?
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: And we're mm-hmm. in love with this nuclear genome, meaning the nucleus of the cell, our DNA that makes you have green eyes and black hair with some gray sprinkled in there now. As <laughs> I keep getting these years going flying by. <laughs> but at the end of the day, we know so much more now. But I, again, I think the biggest difference and why I spent so much of my time studying. Every single person I know who was really successful and a great learner was a reader. Like Warren Buffett, they said, what do you do? This was at the time, like Warren Buffett was the richest man in the world. And they said, what do you do? And he says, I read about eight hours a day. Yeah. And they said, well, what do you read? And he's basically reading business reports from Ford, the car company from the 1940s. And I said, why are you reading that? And this was in, in the 90s, in the early 2000s. He said, well, they had a really successful year that year. And success leaves clues. Because wow. they first order so, um, so I read and it's this constant evolution of, of trying to study. And it was really how I got my grasp on all the science. Because then once I had a grasp on the science, I could work backwards. Okay. But so much of the scientific stuff, I, I promise you, it's all there. What kills me to this day, I made a joke about it at the conference, was every time I think I'm smarter than I am, and I think I come up with a new idea, I look it up and there's 300 studies up on PubMed. <laughs> And I'm like, they've already researched this. Poor Dr. Pollock, when he was at the conference with us, I peppered that poor man with questions. He was probably (laughs) the day that he decided to even walk near me.
0: Oh, I love it. Finally, he
1: told me, all I can tell you is the research says this, because there is brilliant research happening, but with all the love in the world to them for being able to do that research, because I can't do it. They're not clinicians. Yeah. So what's the clinical application towards that? Because if there's no clinical application to research, it's just ignored.
0: Yes. You're absolutely right.
1: It's the painful. Obviously, we met, obviously, through this tool and this technique of using frequency and frequency-specific microcurrent. It allows us to bring clinical application to things that we weren't necessarily able to do before. So that information would fall by the wayside. Yeah. But now we're looking at it. And you probably do the same as I do. When I read research, I'm looking for keywords. Yeah. Can I hit that? Can I target that? How can I affect that? How can I move that needle with all the different tools that we have? If there's a way we can do it, okay, these are the first order principle. These are the things the body has to do, right? Or prerequisite for health and healing. Again, I, another big one that it gets me crazy is when doctors tell patients, just exercise. Yeah. Just exercise. You'll be fine. Yeah. And first off, they have chronic pain, right? So they're not going to really be able to do that. Secondly, there's no energy left in this system. They can't even get up in the morning. They can barely get out of bed. They're going to go run a mile. Let's be realistic. But secondarily, they, again, success leaves clues. People who live to be 100 plus years old, are they jacked muscle-wise? No. Do they have hypertrophy of muscles? No. Actually, the bodybuilders typically live less. Yes, you're right. Because we don't work that way as humans. Now, if we were gorillas, we would. There's a reason a gorilla can rip your arms right out of your sockets with barely breaking a sweat, because they bury all of their mitochondrial function, their ability to make energy in their muscles. We bury ours in our brain and our heart. Yes, we do. That's why we have a Ferrari engine in our head. And we don't die of musculoskeletal problems. They're not fun. They hurt. Not a good time. But we die of heart or brain. Yeah. And cancers and immunological stuff is right behind that. So for me, I'm like, that's where my focus always is. And again, now it's become this weird thing where it's become very obvious within the science. But now I'm public enemy number one against... Obviously, centralized medicine is pharma, but I get probably most of the hate that I get against functional medicine. Interesting. They come after me with droves because, again, it's real easy to poke logic holes into the way that we do things. And again, when I say I did all of that, not bad at myself that I didn't see all of that then. But I was just going to the seminars and I was following through, and (laughs) it really wasn't until I looked at different experts different points of views. It was kind of like the COVID times. You had the blue Twitter check marks that were saying, follow the science and not to go down a rabbit hole with that. But then you had that other group that didn't have the check marks, but they were like, but what about all this? And that group exists in functional medicine too, but everything is getting very centralized and it's very controlled. And I think we're getting away from this natural order of things and what it should be.
0: So I guess that's even more complicated now for the patients that are listening, like where to start with functional medicine. So how does a patient find a functional medicine provider that they can trust? Like where does one start? So
1: it's a good question. And it it doesn't actually have a really easy answer because functional medicine has become like wellness. Yeah. Where all of a sudden everything was wellness. Botox injections, where you're injecting a toxin into your face to paralyze your muscles all of a sudden was considered wellness. So I think they have to have logical answers to questions that you pose. I think that you have to go by the logic side. Don't get blown away by fancy scientific things or jargon or anything else like that. You ask yourself, does that make sense? Because for me, actually my goal before a patient even comes in and sits with me is I have a truckload of videos, I have a truckload of content and I send patients who say, hey, I want to be a patient, awesome, watch all this sorts of stuff, then we'll get on the phone. When they watch all of those different types of things, the goal of that is it needs to end with, doc, that makes perfect sense. What do we do? If it doesn't make perfect sense to them, I didn't do my job and I need to explain more. They may need more detail. They may need more different type of analogy. Maybe they're not a visual, whatever the case may be. I tend to be a visual, so I tend to use visual analogies. Most people Yeah, But we got to get to that point because it, it has to understand that point of view. I think that diet plays a major role. I think that toxicity plays a major role. I think a lot of those things play major roles, but I don't think they play the biggest role because then what ultimately ends up happening is when we do that model, we shift all of the complexity onto the patient. Here's a very challenging diet program to stick with, Right. Here's 200 different supplements to take. Here's a bunch of different lab work that you're basically going to drain every ounce of blood out of your body, saliva and urine out of your body just trying to see what's up. We're going to yeah. give you a pill and a potion for everything that's wrong. We're going to dump this really diet thing. And we're going to dump this on you and so we come back in a month and we're going to see how you do. And I think that the struggle within that is it's hard and it's not as fruitful as it should be. That much effort should really bring humongous type of changes. And most of the people that I see have done all that already. Right. Ask, have you tried to change your diet? Because there, there's, you know, what, statistically 12 to 30% of people, the issue is purely just that they're putting in the wrong field. But even that's complicated because it comes down to, hey, uh, is a banana healthy? Yeah, it's a healthy food, sure. It's a fruit. else and Is eating a banana, if you live in Alaska on December 31st, when there is literally no sunlight, is eating a banana that's grown in a jungle where there's high sunlight? Is that healthy? No, it's confusing. Right. Your body's looking at going, what the hell is this? Where the hell did this come from? How did this show up here? It's freezing. There's no sun. <laughs> you create ordered confusion inside of your body with something that we typically look at. So People say, what diet should I follow? Where do you live? Where do you, that, that matters to me. Because you have to eat according to where you are, where you're from. I had a patient and she went to, she's from Sweden. She went back to Sweden. She says, I had literally no problems with any of the food there. Of course you don't. That's what you're genetically made to eat. When you come here and you try to get confused, of course, it's nice because you can go to the supermarket and get whatever you want, whenever you want it. But I don't eat that way. I eat, well, would this grow now? I live in the same town I practice in and patients sometimes will see me out and about and they always try to catch me. <laughs> I shouldn't be doing, right? Well, doctor, tell me you're eating that. Or oh man, like you were even doing good here. And then one time I says, Wow, you're eating carbs like that? <laughs> and I'm like, man, it's the middle of the summer. Like I was in the sun like four hours today. If yeah, I wasn't, this wouldn't be on the plate. Because this grows okay. in high sunlight, and I'm in high sunlight. Now, for my clinic I won't because I'm not in sunlight. And but I know when I'm here working, I am treating living not accordingly to how I'm supposed to be with nature, but I do whatever I can. That's part of, I do that for certain reasons. Obviously, I feel it's my purpose here to get back and do all these different types of things and take the education and do all that stuff. But I know there's a cost towards that. So part of my thing is, hey, how much can we educate somebody on what really is true? Now, again, if you're not sure, like I said, watch the videos, there's all that sorts of stuff, but how much can we educate them? But how can we take the complexity away? And I think there's a lot of really logical suggestions around that. It was stuff that nobody who I was in functional medicine ever told me. All the coursework I took and all the money and all the time and all the weekends away from home that I spent at functional medicine courses, nobody told me any of that stuff. It's the most important things that I do now. And when I put those ideologies into play for patients, it takes away the Like, this is all I have to do? Yes. Because the other part of it is, we can augment some of that stuff with technology. Right. Technology simplifies the human experience. So the same way back in the day, I used to have to beg diabetic patients. When we do this, you have to take your blood sugar because we don't want it to go too low. If you're taking medications, when things start to normalize and we don't want to go too low. Right? But I understood they ain't poking their finger. I wouldn't want to do it. I couldn't stick with half of those diet plans that they give people. i would never be able to do that. But now I don't even have to have that conversation because they're like, oh yeah, doc, no, easy. I I do like this and here's my blood sugar. They do it in the moment when I ask them. Like, oh yeah, just do it now. Like, oh yeah, like I'm 100. And they (laughs) press their phone to me. It's amazing. It's so great. And at the same time, as much as I rail on technology, because I think that does disconnect us from nature in a large amount of ways. The flip side is, look, this isn't 1996. Like I could run the labs that I run now the same way I could run them in the 90s, the same way I could run them in the 2000s. There's the same basic supplement sounds. It's 2023. We have to operate like it is. Cell phones, all of this sorts of stuff, they provide this ability to heal. And obviously, the pathway out is tech. And I'm, I find it funny that every other
0: aspect of our life is based on tech, but not healthcare. Yeah, that's another very interesting point, isn't it? Yes. Right. I'm like, yeah. was, okay,
1: we're just going to take these vitamins. We need this way. Was this, again,
0: this isn't the early 2000s. This is 2023.
1: We have things that we didn't have available to us. I understood that was the way. But now I'm watching like, it's almost like we're de-evolving medically. Right. I'm like, we need to be moving in this direction. And we're, there's this huge fight against it because again, it is hard. It is the unknown. There is the learning curve of understanding tech and understanding something that we were taught that chemistry is the thing. Yeah, I was taught that biology was a thing in chiropractic school. Yes. And medicine taught me chemistry was a thing. And now I understand that physics controls all of that. Yes. And yeah, if- I used to laugh at the Big Bang Theory because Sheldon used to say, we're yeah. physicists, we are above
0: everybody else. And I'm like, that's not true. And now I'm sitting there going, no, that's true. <laughs> true. One of the books, there's been a lot of books in the last 10 years that have really rattled my core. The Biology of Belief just came mm-hmm. out with Anniversary Edition. So I implore anybody, layperson, Healthcare provider, read this book because Bruce Lipton, I believe, is the yeah, author sure. of that. We grow up with science that the nucleus of the cell is the only thing that matters. And that book will completely change the way you think. And it's a very empowering book because I said we all have our call to action as healthcare providers. And mine used to be really simplistic get people to move better. And yeah. then if I boil that down even further, it's to empower them. Because when we feel empowered, we move. That is just at our very nature of human beings, of animals. When you're empowered, you move. It's just what we do. So the biology of belief can really, I give this to patients who do have the autoimmune, woe is me, I'm doomed. Nothing I eat, say, or do will ever change that. It's a very empowering book because it's not just.
1: Again, I think that's my big frustration with it is because. By doing all of those things, because then look at the clinical experience. Back in the day when I would do this, I would give the patients these really complicated diet programs. I would give them all these really complicated supplement regimes to follow. They would come back a month later. We would look at testing or just say, how's everything going? Bad. So then what's the logical conversation? Was, you didn't do this right. You are bad. You yeah. didn't follow this very complicated thing that you need to do. Like life is this complicated existence. It's really not. There's just certain rules that we first-order principles we need to follow, and we don't. Our social-economic status does not let us necessarily do that. We are barefoot, naked in the sun, and maybe thankfully we're not doing that anymore. to a certain extent. I like my bed. I'm not trying to sleep on the floor. I work very hard to make sure my family doesn't have to sleep on the floor. Yes. We have to understand this is how we're designed. Yes. You know, now we're crazily we're telling people stay out of the sun, avoid the sun at all humanly possible costs. Yes. And it is the most Every meta study that's ever been done is the more sunlight somebody gets, again, appropriate use, the healthier they are. Mortality goes down across the board, including cancer.
0: That's amazing. And I think that has to be said out loud because I literally heard verbatim this year. The sun is mean, stay out of it and make sure you are covered up. I was actually thinking about you today on my run because I ran with just a ponytail, no hat, no sunglasses.
1: Why don't even get me started on sunglasses. No, I know, I know.
0: you have a thing about worst it. Worst I mean, invention
1: in mankind. It's so basic and it's so simple, but again, just like you're eating a banana, where your body doesn't understand where you live. Now all of a sudden, there's this huge amount of sun on our skin, and we cover up our eyes. And now your brain's going, "What's right? Is it dark or is it light?" And we have no idea. Okay, if you're watching this and you're not, your body feels confused. All of those things confuse it. Yeah. So we have to remove the confusion to get that empowerment so that simple enough stuff like letting light in. Like, and in half of this stuff, melanopsin, which is the main opsin that they find in the eye that triggers all of these different pathways, they didn't find this until 2017. I was well out of school by this point. I mean, somebody who's not avidly keeping to trying to learn, like, trust me, I say melanopsin, most people blank over and they're like, doctor's wise, and they're like, what, what's melanopsin? We have frog stuff in us? Yes, we do. That's how your body can tell what the sun is. It's the major opsin in the eye and in the skin and in the arteries and all these different types of things, right? It reacts to certain types of sunlight. If you know this, there's things that are actionable that can be done around it. But again, we're learning at such a rapid rate that 2017, that's six years ago. There, nothing happens in medicine in six years. People barely even makes the medical journals. People barely have any understanding of what's actually happening with it. Dr. Jack Cruz who I consider a mentor of mine, he did a huge podcast with Andrew Huberman. It's actually Rick Rubin's podcast he did with Andrew Huberman and Dr. Jack Cruz. Jack is like on fire. He destroyed so many sacred cows and paradigms in telling this story. Now I've been on that board for since 2012, running with these guys, but it, it draws a lot of heat because it is a vastly different concept. But again, it's tell me when I'm telling lies. Right. I got no problem arguing or talking with anybody because I'm like, the science backs me, not you.
0: Right. To a lesser comparison on my Game Changers podcast, I had a gentleman from Canada on Paul Catanzaro, who's been doing a lot of research in Canada using heat instead of ice for injuries. And he gets crucified everywhere he goes because we've been brainwashed into thinking if you have an injury, you have to ice it. And people have such a hard time thinking about the mechanism of action of bringing heat to an area. And there's other things like moving, trying, he uses math, right? Movement, elevation, traction, and heat. Mm -hmm. And when I will talk to other practitioners about this, no, you have to ice it. Inflammation is bad. I'm like, too much. Yeah. Is it? (laughs) Can we just go back and think what like macrophages do? Don't we want the cleanup crew? And there's all this new data coming out of Australia, especially Using heat for, I think the model were triathletes or they were endurance athletes. That instead of going into the cold plunge, they were just slowly letting their body temperature normalize, doing some movement, and they recovered faster because they didn't interrupt that inflammatory process. That first, you want that cleanup crew to come in there and clean up the debris and then get the heck out. We have to. How do you remodel? Person.
1: Like you, there, there is no remodeling without oxidation. There's this concept of I'm Doug Wallace, who again, may, maybe not for patients looking at sort of stuff, but Doug Wallace has done all the seminal research on mitochondrial DNA. It's why I always ask patients, tell me about mom, tell me about grandma, tell me about the women. I don't care about yeah. the men. Because you get all of your mitochondrial DNA from your maternal side. So I don't care what your dad had, <laughs> no offense, but care about which mom had. There's a reason that women who have autoimmune disease have a 350% greater chance of having a child with special needs. Wow. People. Right. So again, as a parent, if I didn't know that I would be terrified because I'm unempowered, but now I know, and there's stuff to do. I have conversations with women all the time. I just had a conversation with a cow yesterday, severe endometriosis, and she said, I'm going to go do IVF. I just want to get pregnant. Listen, the goal is not pregnancy. The goal is a healthy baby. Yeah. Right. We can take care of the endometriosis and you probably be able to get pregnant, But if you have an autoimmune, or if you have something else going on like that, the chances are your cells have to build that baby cells. So your mitochondrial heteroplasmy rates are up, which my heteroplasmy rates are the amount of mutation in mitochondrial DNA. Wallace has shown this causes the more heteroplasmy rates we have, higher heteroplasmy rates we have, the more disease we have. Right? So if your levels are high, their levels are going to be high. Why do I have a six-year-old under care right now with Hashimoto's? These shouldn't be, but guess what? When I asked mom, how's your health? Not good. Okay. I have a little girl. She's got all kinds of skin problems. How's mom, how, mom's your health? Why well, have Crohn's? I knew before I asked, but well, I didn't sure. know exactly what they have, but I know that the answer is going to be not good Yeah, B- because you're following the breadcrumbs of where this kind of all goes. And again, my big task scientifically now is to try to figure out what's the most direct way that we can change those mitochondrial heteroplasmic rates. Because if we drive those down, Wallace has shown it, the disease goes away. If we can fix the engines, the disease will stay away. It's an overly simplistic idea. The body has to make tremendous amount of energy. There's a lot of places where that will get screwed up. But in, in general, you get these really complicated concepts that are really basic to nature when you think about them. Right. It's just now, how do we use more advanced means in order to resolve that? Because what, could you go live off the grid? Could you eat from the land? Can you have no Wi-Fi? And can you wake with the sun and go to sleep with the moon? Can you do it? Yeah, you can. Will most people? No, I couldn't do it. I have my family. I have my friends. How am I going to do that? Plus, i made this commitment to stay and help people. So it's a great an ideology, but how do you do it while people are still in their stuff? That's where we need leverage in things like tech.
0: Yeah. But yes, in that
1: world, yeah, that's easy. That's easy peasy. In this world where, how do you still do it? I still have a high stress job. I still have to work. I still have to do this. Most people live to get healthy when they're doing it from this other end mindset. Like right. every aspect of their life is meal planning is doing this and everything else like that. Remember you get healthy so you can live the life.
0: right,
1: Right. Forever. But it's what's the 20% of things that you can do that mean the most That will get you the 80%, not the 80% that you can micromanage that gets you 20%. And that's where functional medicine is going. And I'm not happy about that.
0: Yeah. Because the last thing these people need, are, like you said, these overwhelming meal plans, supplement plans, like that is the last thing you need to simplify. Yeah, I I
1: agree. The the truth is the simplified answers, again, simple doesn't mean easy. There's still work to be done within all different types of things. But the simplified answers actually get the best results because they are still first order principles. Because otherwise, you're chasing your tail of is it toxicity? Is it this nutrition? Is it that? You're doing all of these little leverage things. And again, I get all of these people say I made all of these changes, nothing happened. I killed myself. I did all. I did everything right, Doc. I swear. And you know who's telling you the truth? Yes. Who's telling you the truth? Those are people like, oh yeah, no, I, I followed it. They won't look at you. Yeah, for sure. The people who t- I have these people and they're like, Doc, I swear to you man, I, I did absolutely everything. That this guy said and it just didn't work yeah okay now let's walk through why yeah these are the different things my model is based around the concept of energetic debt all diseases are caused by your body doesn't make enough energy you're expending too much energy or you're not utilizing energy efficiently okay. this places that you're stuck energetically yeah and again if we can figure out tech is a great way of getting a lot of energy in we can limit the amount of energy that you spend but at the end of the day so much of functional medicine is, OK, how do we limit the amount of energy you're spending? Or how do we try to like, lower the cost? We're going to detoxify. you. guess what? Detoxification costs energy. It's expensive to detoxify internally, energetically-wise. Yeah. Really wealthy people. Elon Musk did not get $272 billion or whatever he's worth. And I'm sure he's worth every penny of it at this day because he saved money. He did not get that much money by cutting out Starbucks, I promise you. <laughs> Not that much money because he aggressively makes money. If you want to get better, you got to figure out how to aggressively make energy. Right inside the human body. Because if you can do that, you don't have to be perfect. Because you have enough money on hand that if you get a big bill that you weren't expecting, you just pay for it to move on. That's the difference, and that's the game. Yeah. And again, I still heavily think that technology. It's so funny because. Even I told a couple of friends, I'm like, hey, I'm actually gonna be on the FSM podcast tomorrow with Kim, she texted me last minute. And they're like, oh, what are you gonna talk about? I don't know, we'll come up with something, me and her. It's
0: yeah. like an hour won't
1: be enough, whatever it is, but we'll come up with right. And They're like, what frequencies are you gonna talk about? I'm like, I'm probably not gonna talk about any. Because again, those are tactics and strategies. And I was like, and I spent most of my time, especially since we were talking, making this one try to more for the general public, first order principles. Yeah. But here's the beautiful thing about tech. Tech eliminates- the need for a strategic advantage.
0: Yeah. So what I
1: mean by that is in my, early in my career, I studied, I learned, I could muscle test. I could do all these really involved techniques. I did a lot of neurological techniques, working with people face-to-face, hands-on. And a lot of doctors say, hey, doc, I, I cannot do what you do. I don't know everything. now. I don't have all the skill sets, but guess what? Your machine works exactly the same way as my machine does. So I can give you the strategies, I can teach you the tactics, I can tell you what to run, how to evaluate it, what to run in what order based off of what you found, because it's really almost more important rather than the specific frequencies is what you do and what order would you find things. To me, it's huge. But the flip side of it is that it eliminates your street defense because it's not about skill anymore. When well, we work with other doctors, I don't know if I can do this. Can you take a machine, turn it to this setting and hit start? Right? You don't need to be me. Right. Transfer the information, but I can also transfer how do you do the tactic wise? If you find this, you do that. Right. And that's where technology also becomes so powerful because we can create a very synergistic, but a very linear pathway of hey, look, we can all get these types of results if we use the right machines and the right tech and the right places and the right times and all these different ideologies because it's very reproducible. It's not based off of. So he's some crazy guy in Las Vegas who does all these weird things and he's got lights and lasers. And he shines all this sorts of stuff. That's awesome. And I do that too. And I do that for whatever my, I do, whatever my patients need. Cause my goal was always, what's the best way to get the best result. Yeah. If you do any of my personality types about prestige being the best, if there's somebody who knows something, I don't, I'm going to be on a plane to find out what they know if they're yeah. willing to share.
0: And most yeah. of them,
1: but it's one of those things. Cause it's always that, but Mm-hmm. We're trying really hard to get more doctors into all of this sorts of stuff and these ideologies. And it's hard because they're like, what I'm doing is good. Yeah, it's fine. It's a nice practice. It's, but who's going to step up? Good enough doesn't work for me. Good enough is not good enough for my mom.
0: No. And that's exactly it. And that's, I think why the world needs more of you. Um, there's a couple questions that came in. I just want to make sure. Yeah, you- Cause yeah, you're right. I don't know how an hour evaporated, but it just did. So one is about intermittent fasting. Any comments on that?
1: Sure. Yeah, no, a lot, lots actually, but so this will go back to my leptin prescription. Yeah. Talked about the leptin stuff. Obviously there is a whole idea about doing this around leptin, but again, think about the confusion and the logic factor for a patient. Tell them that you're going to make them fast. The greatest thing you can do for an autoimmune disease is fast. And in the next hand, you're going to tell them, but the way that you get better is by taking these 200 nutritional supplements. (laughs) They're looking at you going, but I thought I wasn't supposed to eat. Not eating was the greatest thing for my autoimmune disease. Well, I'm going to solve this by taking all these different nutrients, because the concept of why we're doing intermittent fasting, we're doing it to make sure that we're timing our body to circadian biology. That's my strategy behind intermittent fasting. I know it's not everybody's. Yeah. Most of the time when they're doing fasting, saying that's going to stimulate autophagy. It is not a first order principle that you need to fast in order to stimulate autophagy. Is it a way to force the body to do it? Yes. Is that what it's supposed to do? No. Autophagy is supposed to be done, and again, sorry, defining terms. Autophagy is the body's ability to self-heal cells, basically, right? It's healing of cells, repair of cells that are damaged. Yeah. That should be done every single night if you live in accordance with nature. It's not that we're designed by first order principles to have to fast every once in a while so we keep healthy. That's not in our information booklet that we get with our bodies when we're born. Mm -hmm. It's not in the instruction manual. It's not. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a powerful strategy used in the right way for the right person. But I think somehow how doctors end up at it is the wrong principle. Yeah, so I think it's good. But again, there's a lot more science behind that. Again, trying to tolerate hormones like leptin and things like that, MSH. Nobody knows about these. I didn't know about them. Nobody told me about them. I didn't learn about them until I was well out of school.
0: It's a super quick story. Over Christmas time, I had read the book, The Comfort Crisis by Michael Easter. Love it. He started talking about why I think millennials are are weak, why there's no resiliency. So his research led him all these different avenues, but he was asking himself the question, what do we really want for? Where is our struggle in life right now? As opposed to where it was many moons ago when we were always stressed about how and where we were going to eat. How and where we were going to sleep. If you get cold, what do you do? Put on a sweater, turn on the thermostat. If you get hungry, what do you do? You open the fridge, DoorDash, some food. We don't struggle a whole lot. So he went back and was doing fasting and doing like super extreme hunting, like helicopter in the middle of Alaska. I'll pick you up in three weeks. Yeah. Here's dehydrated oats. All the best. That's good right? luck. Yeah.
1: Good luck with all that. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I had read it and I do very well on in intermittent fasting. I do very well in an 18 hour. I played around with it. That is just where I feel the best. So my husband was like, I'm going to try this. And so you read the book and he's pretty much this guy's telling me I should just shut up when I'm hungry and suck it up and I'll be fine. he got really sick. He got really sick doing an 18 hour fast to the point where I was really worried about him because he was sick and sick. So if it is just a hard, steady, fast rule, then everybody would do well on the 18 hour fast. But that's just not the way we're designed. Jim and I are built very different with very different underlying health conditions. And, yeah. and it's not to
1: say that he'd maybe not be able to get to that
0: point, sure. but
1: his physics at this point is not capable of handling that. Yeah, It's even why to a certain extent, I get really mad whether they aggressively try to lower inflammation or, hey, aggressively try to lower blood sugar. No. Yeah. Understand their blood sugar is high because their bodies have to run on a backup generator of energy. Aggressively lowering their backup generator leaves them with nothing. Fix the problem. It goes away. And I think that's this thing of with microcurrent too, to a certain extent, it works so well for fixing the problem that we run directly at. Yeah, We get this very reductionistic ideology of it, where I know I sometimes even within microcurrent people, you're doing it very differently because my ideology is very vitalistic. I can use microcurrent to target things in first order principles, but I might not necessarily run at the problem. If somebody's got Hashimoto's, I'm not treating the thyroid. Right. She's last on my list. right? Right. She's the victim, not the cause. Right. So I got to fix everything that leads up to that point. Then I can use microcurrent hits on those things, which were hard to do in the past. Microcurrent makes it easy because it's a beautiful, wonderful, awesome technology. But yes. the tendency, I even mean, I have to still fight that to this day, I run, run to the problem. No, I know. No, step back, take a breath, look at the big picture. If you understand the science, that becomes easier to do. But you got to fall in love with the science. That if you're a doctor is listening, that's my advice to use fall in love with the science. Right. Because if you do that. Once you see it, you'll never be able to unsee it and you will push because right. otherwise, you'll never feel good about what you're doing because it won't be enough. If I'm ever comfortable, I'm not doing enough. Yes. I push harder because there's more to do, more to learn, more to understand to get them better.
0: That's right. Okay. Again, we'll have to have you on again for part
1: two, part three. Part yeah. Hour, I was just going to say an hour is not going to do it, but yeah.
0: yeah no, I know. <laughs> Only a text
1: message away, apparently.
0: I know, I appreciate it. I just so appreciate you. And I want to acknowledge you just for being unapologetically curious and you in this like crazy bubble that we live in. Again, what I said, the world needs more of you. If people do want to bother you and bug you and jump on planes and follow you around, Superior Health Solutions, I believe, is uh, where people can find you.
1: Yep, that's the clinic. It's shslasvegas.com. If you're a doctor and you're looking for more info about us a little bit differently, we have beyondfunctionalmedicine.com. I literally named it Beyond Functional Medicine because I feel it's part of my purpose to try to go against what's happening. Yes. In a way with mm-hmm. all love. And again, we all do these things with the best of intentions. That's right. It's never for harm or anything else. Like We all do what we we're best with. But again, it's the purpose feeling the call to help people. But then I also felt called to try to help doctors wade their way through some and make it easier. It was a struggle for me. It was, it was cool. I liked running to the fire. Yeah, so- any <laughs> which way that I can be of help. <laughs> I will always be running into the fire. If there's a fire, you will probably find me running bed <laughs> first thank at it. But yeah, you. so if any way I could help, please feel free to, to reach out
0: and let me know. Rob, thank you so much. You're just like amazing. I appreciate you. I have fun always. Yeah. Anytime we get an extra hour to hang out and talk work, I'm in. Yeah. And thank you to the patients that you had to move around all day to get this in for the hour. We appreciate you patience. All right, everybody, that's it for today. We will see you back here, same time, same place next week. Thanks again, Dr. Rob. Bye, everybody.
1: The Frequency Specific Microcurrent podcast has been produced by Frequency Specific Seminars for entertainment, educational, and information purposes only. The information and opinion provided in the podcast are not medical advice, do not create any type of doctor-patient relationship, and unless expressly stated, do not reflect the opinions of its affiliates, subsidiaries, or sponsors, or the hosts, or any of the podcast guests or affiliated professional organizations.